All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. It is uh, very good to be back with you, and uh, thanks to uh, Ben Roethlisberger, we, we, we've got no shortage of material um, to, to cover tonight, along with uh, everything going on with camp, um, as long, or excuse me, as well as uh, uh, really good news for the Nunn family, uh, Bill Nunn, um, Super Scout with the Steelers. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, honor potentially being bestowed upon him uh coming up and um i think we also in fact we should probably just get right to it guys um something i saw that was a little disturbing is that um a young woman named ellie finnerty um who uh occasionally shows up on this podcast uh apparently was drinking some peanut butter whiskey um now Yeah. Now, I I, I told her we were going to give her a chance at some point to kind of come on and and discuss it with us. Peanut butter whiskey. Yeah. Now, I'm not the the whiskey bourbon scotch connoisseurs that you two are uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But but I do know this. If I ever were to have told my my father, uh, rest in peace, that I was drinking peanut butter whiskey, I, I probably would have had the bottle smashed over my head. Um, I don't know if, if this is just a fad. I, have you guys, uh, Ben, have you, have you heard of this thing? No, it, it kind of sounds like, uh, I, uh, wine coolers, the newest version. Yeah. Like a whiskey um, wine cooler. Like, like Cisco. I, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> remember mothers against drug drivers used to call that liquid crack. Oh yes. Um, yes. I, I don't know. Peanut butter whiskey. That's, um, very interesting, yeah. Ellie. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ian, you're you're you were in the liquor store recently. You ever see anything like this? Um, the closest I'd say I've seen is like the flavored Smirnoff vodkas that they have, which yeah, are kind of yeah. different. But I've not, I can't say I've ever seen whiskey flavors other than I mean, I guess I guess fireball. there's like the there's the fireball, there's the yeah, the, stuff, there's the there's the honey stuff like the American oh, yeah. honey and things like yeah. that. Um, that's actually quite good. Um, and I, I saw an apple whiskey last time which was the first time i'd seen anything like that but i can't say i've seen a peanut butter whiskey yeah now i've i've been to well, i guess uh, we're just missing out man. yeah i've been to gatlinburg tennessee and old smoky down there and i mean they have some very unique flavored uh whiskeys and stuff which which are kind of cool when you're there but it's not something i'd, I'd, I'd want to uh have regularly so rather than than you know just tear her down uh, we'll give her a chance to come on uh soon and defend what she was drinking exactly uh and and maybe just tell us exactly what in the hell it is uh, it's is pretty disgusting you gotta admit i mean i it sure sounds like it yeah uh, um, i mean i i mean I, I can see where i've put bourbon in fudge before and it came out awesome it was fantastic huh. And oh, uh, I can see where okay. if you, you like made a, a peanut butter fudge, you could throw some bourbon in there and it might might taste good. But peanut butter flavored bourbon. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. No, yeah. No, I. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, me neither. But uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll see. And uh, anyway, we, we, we definitely want to get into uh, some Steelers stuff here. We, we know that's what the people are here for. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, uh, somebody on Twitter. I can't think of who it was. I'll have to look at it later. Uh, he, he apparently believes I sound like Seth Rogen. Um, so that, that's fine. Uh, there's worse people. Um, I, I don't smoke nearly that much marijuana. Uh, although I do have a beard, 
So I, I guess I got that similarity. But anyway, uh, moving on. I uh, hope you guys are well. We're going to jump right into it. Um, I, I didn't know this was coming. Maybe you guys did. Um, but Ben Roethlisberger uh, released the first part of a series that is on YouTube and is basically everywhere now after after it's been out there. Um, it, it's basically about his uh, his return, uh, his recovery from from surgery. But but even before it, it goes back to 2019 uh, training camp, um, they they talk a little bit about the the passing of of Daryl Drake. Uh, the wide receiver coach, which was obviously something I, I often wonder if it it doesn't get talked about enough in terms of just the impact it had on that whole season last year, uh, sans the the injury to Ben. But um, Ian, have you had a chance to watch this? It's about 14 minutes long, um, and it's considered part one, and it's Ben, uh, his wife Ashley has a prominent role. You'll see Dr. Tom Bradley is in it, uh, Mike Tomlin. Yep, yeah. yep, and and so so Ian, did you, did you get a chance to see this today? I did watch it. It was excellent. Um, I was yeah. really impressed with um Ben's wife Ashley. That mm-hmm. um, you know, she really had her finger on the pulse of not just you know her husband uh and all that he was going through, but Hi, kind of the team. <laughs> Maggie, yeah, not Molly. Maggie. <laughs> yeah, Maggie. Yeah, Maggie. Oh man, I'm sorry. It's okay. She's like two Not. months old now. She's adorable. She wants to be on the podcast. She wants to talk about the Steelers. Uh, but at any rate, uh, no, I was I was really impressed sort of how Ben's wife really had a, a sense of not only what Ben was going through in the offseason, but kind of what the rest of the team was going through and, you know, how what the attitude was around the team and kind of the, the type of support that they needed and, um, you know, she's not in the, the spotlight very often, um, but I thought she gave some really candid and thorough answers in this thing. And it was, it was really interesting to see um, kind of that glimpse, I guess, behind the scene into Ben's personal life a little bit. Maggie yeah. clearly uh, enjoys your commentary. Uh, real, ben, real quickly. Just, yeah, go ahead. talking ben. about Maggie. Real, just one quick point. Is her name, is her legal name Margaret and she goes by Maggie? That's going to be the plan or? Yes, that is, that is what it is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Margaret, so, yes. So now we have um, kids named after all three patron saints of Scotland because our fourth kid is Malcolm Andrew. So the three patron saints of Scotland are St. Columba, St. Andrew, and St. Margaret. So um, Malcolm comes from the name Columba. So, yes. Cool. All right. Things so, learned yeah, uh, on that video, uh, yes, yeah. I, I will second – Ian's uh, point about Ashley Roethlisberger, uh, I thought she made a lot of really insightful, salient points. Mm-hmm. And I'd never really heard her speak at length before. And yeah, she was impressive. I uh, I enjoyed that part of it a lot. Um, the thing I want to get back to, and I, it, you know, it occurred to me while I was watching the video, you know, right. Coach Tomlin said, you know, you want to defend your franchise and, you know, guy he wanted to defend is your quarterback because he's kind of the center of the franchise Mm -hmm. of course that stuff was hurtful and they're talking about all the noise that was going on when a b left and blamed it all on ben and ben's a bad leader and ben's bad and and right away sports media jumped on it and they just echoed it without even really delving into it without even really talking to anybody in the locker room they found one or two guys that had played for the steelers didn't anymore that were willing to say bad things about him and oh well he's a jerk you know, they didn't talk to anybody that was still there. Right. And my point at the time was, 
Ben and Tomlin are not addressing this because they know that AB is going to keep doing AB stuff. And the franchise that he's with now isn't going to protect him anymore like the Steelers did. Mm -hmm. And all this stuff's going to come to light. And sure enough, it did. And I'm not trying to say that I know Stradamus or anything because I knew about a whole bunch of crap. Mark knew about a whole bunch of crap that went on when AB was a Steeler that was never made public. Mm -mm. Steelers protected AB from. And we just kind of knew it wasn't going to stop. That's who he is. And, you know, it was just a, a question of time and it blew up even bigger than I expected. I, I got to say, but it's, it's yeah. not like that was a stretch to, to predict that was going to happen, that AB was going to be a jackass. Now I, I think he completely lost his mind over that off season, but yep. you know, that's me. Um, but to that point, obviously that was not on Ben. Okay. Sorry, that that mm-hmm. was on AB. AB's got some issues. Uh, he needs to get some help. Hopefully he will. Um, I'll always be grateful for his contributions as a Steeler. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. You know, in, in particular, you know, the, the things that jump out at me are, the, you know, the immaculate extension, yep. uh, even his, his rookie year, that 56-yard completion oh. on third and forever yep. versus Baltimore. That was Rested awesome. against his helmet. Yep. That was awesome, you know, and and I'll I'll always be grateful for that. Even though he was a jackass on the way out and did everything he possibly could to burn every bridge there was when he left Pittsburgh, I'll still be grateful for what he did while he was there. I, um, I yeah, I would echo that. Going forward, though, you know, uh, Ben talks about uh, the injury and you know how how difficult it was, and he actually went into detail about what was injured and he did. you know. Uh, the fact that it wasn't Tommy John surgery, uh, it was career threatening, according to Dr. Bradley, but mm-hmm. it was not, was not Tommy John surgery. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hooked, man. I, I want to see the rest of this series now oh, that was for part sure. one of part one of four. So it's, it's an hour long all in and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes, but yeah, man, I was fired up when I saw it, man. I was just like, Yeah. Are are you Ben? Are you at all surprised that he he agreed to do this? I mean, he he's uh, he's he's not been the most open guy, especially you know since two thousand ten. Uh, you know, he he really did kind of go behind the curtain. He 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 you know changed his his lifestyle. He got married. He had kids. Found faith. You know, I, I mean, are you surprised he did this? moderately um i I, he's just always been a little bit standoffish or not always yeah the majority of his career he's been a little standoffish with the media he really has yeah um and maybe rightfully so i mean i mean i'll I'll give you an example the whole drama Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. that they they project onto him yeah ben is a little bit dramatic but the fans us we Mm -hmm far more dramatic than ben is and (laughs) the media is geared to generate clicks and hits and get people to read articles and watch tv and if they know that we're dramatic they're going to feed that and so things get blown up into into a much bigger thing than they really are and i don't think that people really take all those mechanisms into account when they call ben dramatic you know he's not paul pierce uh, uh no no right 
yeah, he, he's not going to, well, I'm not going to go into that. Um, Ian, we're just kind of, I, I mentioned to Ben, you know, and asked about his surprise that Roethlisberger would do this. Um, were, were you at all surprised? And then I, I, I would piggyback on that, something that you commented on when we were chatting earlier, the fact that so many of the young guys get kind of kind of smacked around because they do so much on YouTube. Um, you know, will, will Ben get a similar type reaction or is, is his going to be different? So I'll start with the second question. I think Ben's reaction will be different um, yeah. because a lot of the, how can I say this nicely? Uh, curmudgeons who don't like the uh, young players doing social media stuff tend to have pretty good relationships with Ben, namely mm-hmm. like Mark Madden and oh boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Madden has always been a, a big defender has. of Ben. He has. Um, for various reasons, um, but regardless, you know, I think I think Ben gets a pass. Also, the other thing I think that Ben may get a pass for with this is that this is more a documentary style video is. that is put together rather than just like him going out and filming something on Facebook Live and broadcasting it, or yeah. um, you know, just filming himself at a concert on his phone and. Uh, you know, up on stage, jumping around like <laughs> Juju has done and other things. Uh, so, yeah, and, and I'm not, and personally, I have no problem with Juju yeah, or yeah. the young guys you, doing that. You so do I, I just you. want to be clear yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, have, I have no problem at all with that. You know, it's it's what the kids these days do. Um, and fine, whatever, <laughs> you know, they're, they're kids, so, it is what it is. So really what um, you're saying is you, you won't be surprised if Ben is in a onesie in the next episode. i honestly i I was i was a little surprised at how how candid and forthcoming he was um, in this one and and you know ben's ben's kind of an interesting guy too because you know if you if you look over the course of his career you know he started with a a pretty bad social reputation around the city um and you know, he, he talks a lot about his faith now. He's developed into a family man. You know, he's got a bunch of kids. And, uh, I mean, I think his wife has been a, a great influence on his life. Yeah. And, you know, some of the other people that he now chooses to associate with are much better than the people he previously chose to associate with. Yeah. Um, but even in his early days, you know, he didn't have a great relationship with a lot of players in the locker room and, and things yeah. like that. And I think it's been... I don't think it was something that came naturally to him. I think it's been something he's had to work on over time, Um, but he has worked on it. And, um, you know, I mean, hearing him talk about like how close he was with Daryl Drake, who wasn't even his positions coach. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think Daryl Drake was that kind of person that had a a big influence on a lot of people just because of his personality. But at the same time, you know, Ben was really close with Daryl Drake as the wide receivers coach. Ben was, um, you know, has has been close with some other players. I mean, before Antonio Brown went insane, like Ben and AB were pretty <laughs> close. I mean, they had described each other kind of as like best friends a, a couple times right. in interviews. Um, and then Antonio Brown's head got taken off by Vontez Perfect, and he was kind of never the same upstairs after that. No, he no, was the same. He, he was he was a jackass before that. <laughs> well, he was he was a jackass, but it wasn't okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at any rate, uh, yeah, so I was I was a little surprised. And, and, and I'll also say about Ben, you know, sometimes he is he's gotten he's gotten taken to the rails for being 
more forthcoming and honest on his radio show than maybe he should be. And I think he's he's try, been working for a while to try and figure out where that line is of, you know, what can he say publicly versus what can't he say? Right. And there have been times where, you know, people say like, oh, well, Ben, Ben should call his receivers out because he's the leader on the team. And that shows leadership if you call them out in the media. And then other times it's like, well, Ben talks too much. You know, he brings too much drama outside the locker room and shouldn't be airing this stuff on the radio. So, yeah, um, I was all the second camp. You, yeah. you call your you call your teammates out as a leader. You always do. But you do it on the field. You do it in the locker room. You talk yeah. to them. You don't you don't talk to everybody else. Well, I, and I I. I think Ian's exactly right. He always walked that fine line. And let's be honest, we, you know, you guys mentioned the fans. They were going to complain if he didn't say enough, and they were going to complain if he said too much. So he, he was in a no-win situation. Um, and, and yeah, when, when he would m- mention guys on the radio, he would get in trouble for it. When he didn't say enough, he would get in trouble for it. So, yeah, Ben, go ahead. Do we lose Ben? I don't know. I'm still oh, single. Yeah, you know, so I I guess what struck me a little bit was, you know, how oh boy, his his just frankness, his candor about the moments of the injury and everything um were were really striking to me. You know, Ian, you pointed out how how well Ashley, uh, Mrs. Roethlisberger, if I have to, um, had her finger kind of on the pulse of, of not just her husband as a player, but on kind of that team. I mean, she really did nail a couple of things, um, in, in regards to that. But, um, um, I, I, I don't know. Did you, did you have anything else that you thought came out of that, Ian? Um, not really. I, the only other thing I would say is how, I don't think any of us really realized how close we were to seeing Ben Roethlisberger play in his final NFL game. I mean, they did kind of go into that at the end of the vi- the the mm-hmm. first video mm-hmm. here that um, you know he basically had a choice between retirement and have surgery and maybe play again. Um, and he, you know, he considered retirement long and hard and decided to have surgery because he wanted to come back and play more. Um, and that was completely his decision to make that, you know, he wanted to try and come back and play, which I think somewhat speaks to just, you know, his level of focus and intensity this year in, in training camp and going into the season as well, that, you know, he knows this could get all get taken away from him at a moment. And he's not a young sure. guy anymore. Who's invincible. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's battled through so many injuries in his career. Heck, he won a super bowl. The first one, which he had a terrible game, but he won a super bowl with a partially yeah. broken finger. Remember he played with a splint through that whole playoffs on his yeah, thumb, on his throwing hand. Um, and so, you know, he's he's battled through a lot of things before in the past. Um, but this was really the first one that actually, like, threatened his career. Um, well, I, I guess maybe it, you could say the, the broken rib the one time that almost went into his heart could have threatened his yeah, career, too. That, yeah, that might have threatened his life. <laughs> that, one, that one, too. Um, but, well, I, but, you know. I, I mean, when, when I when I saw him holding the elbow, and, and I, I mean, I didn't really immediately think, oh, geez, his career's over. But I did think of Terry Bradshaw. I mean, that was my first thought was, oh, my God, seriously, another great one goes down because of an elbow, you know. But, I, I mean, you quickly kind of snap yourself out of that and you say, okay, all right, all right, let's see what happens here and get him back and and so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a great first part of this series, a four-part series. Um, I'm, I'm definitely anxious for the next one. Um, 
you know, I, I thought everybody involved was great. The production was great. Um, it's, it's very different than what we're used to seeing. And, and, uh, you know, Ben, any, any final thoughts on it before we move on? No, no. I, like I said, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the rest of it. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, it all is, is going to work itself out. I'm, I'm pretty excited about the season. Uh, even with the fact that I think fans will be either very sparse or non-existent at Heinz field. Yeah. I think this team is centered. I know Ben is f- apparently fired up, not angry, not he's just going out and having fun and playing and he's enthusiastic. And that mm-hmm. enthusiasm is what, what encourages me. You know, I I'm really looking forward to that. And the fact that, I mean, really, I think they've got a top two or three defense on the other yeah. side. I don't want to jinx it by saying it's that good, but I think they're really good. And when you've got a, a you got the quarterback like Ben and you've got a defense that's that good, you have a chance. Um, the biggest obstacle for the Steelers this year is going to be the fact that the Ravens, who I frequently say suck, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and they're assholes. We've heard that. Let's, We've they're heard assholes, that. but yep. but they're not. They don't actually suck. They're going to be pretty good. So um, you know that's going to be tough. That's uh, having a team like that in your own in your own division. Well, and they they have the tough. weekest schedule in the league, I believe, don't they? Yeah, the Steelers have a pretty weak schedule though too. If you yeah. go by that win loss crap from last right, year, bullshit, right. I know. which it always... I don't because. It never yeah. turns out that way. No, it doesn't. Um, hey, just a reminder, you're listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated, which serves Broward and the Southern Palm Beach counties. Uh, whether it's commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Deck Roofing today by visiting deckroofing.com. And uh, talk to uh, my my uh, contact person down there. They were very disappointed to see that hurricane go in a different direction you know roofing companies love hurricanes so uh actually in all seriousness uh best wishes to those along the gulf coast yeah, as uh hurricane sure, laura man. uh category four and um it's and it's nothing to nothing Cameron's to, to sneeze at. category four and gonna be a five right uh i believe yeah I mean, it's that's just the one that's aiming at Houston, and well, that's yeah. Laura. Laura's the one cruising that's up. That's Laura. The I thought it was Cameron. No, nope, it's Hurricane Laura. That's okay. the one coming right up into the Gulf right now, and uh, yeah. So, um, I want to move on because uh, something really good happened this week um, that uh, anybody that's a, a diehard Steelers fan uh, certainly applauds, and um, the the Hall of Fame announced this week that uh, Bill Nunn. Um, will be a finalist for the Contributor Award, the NFL Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, if you don't know who Bill Nunn is, um, he was a long, long-time scout for the Steelers and was uh, credited greatly with helping to build the Steelers' dynasty team of the 70s uh, by going into a lot of the historically black colleges and universities and pulling out players like, you know, you've probably heard of once or twice, Mel Blunt, John uh, Stallworth, John you know, to, to name a couple. Um, and and he Green. sadly he sadly passed away in 2014, um, literally in the facility doing what he loved doing. Um, and uh, it, it's just a, a well-deserved thing. You know, we see players and coaches go in the Hall of Fame all the time. They they do need to, to find more room for folks like this. I, I don't. I don't think you should water it down. Don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, you do have to find 
places for contributors like Bill Nunn. Um, Ian, your your thoughts on on this? Yeah, uh, he should have been in the Hall of Fame a long time ago, for yeah. starters. Um, yeah. And we've we've talked about Bill Nunn in the past his contributions. Uh, the Steelers inducted him into their Hall of Honor in 2018 um, for his contributions. So we we have talked about Nunn in the past and his great mm-hmm. contributions. Um, and I mean, he really kind of revolutionized college scouting as well, not just for the Steelers. I mean, obviously, you know, the Steelers were the ones that were the beneficiaries and had the big breakthrough. But, you know, Nunn's uh, researching of a lot of these small school and, like you said, historically black college students um, really opened the doors for a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I mean, you you even saw it kind of play out in this past year's draft where there was a kid from, like, I think it was a D3 school that got drafted mm-hmm. in the second or third round ahead of guys from, like, Clemson and Alabama at the same position. Yeah. I think he was a corner or a safety. He was a defensive back. But, um, yeah, that, that you know, now we've – and especially the internet's helped us. And I mean, remember when Don oh, was yeah. operating in the, in the seventies and eighties, <laughs> it was all, it was all word of mouth. It was like, you had to yeah. know a guy and call him on the phone or go visit the school and, and scout the players out like that. You couldn't and, you know, just go to YouTube. And your draft board was uh, actually a board, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't on a computer. It was a board. Yeah. You, you couldn't go, you know, pull up highlight clips of this guy on your computer or sitting on your couch at night and just watch them. Um, so you you really had to have good connections and good information on people, and it was it was a lot harder to to scout players. Now you know it's kind of if you have talent, the NFL will find you. Um, but back then, it wasn't a guarantee if you had talent that the NFL would find you. Very true, Ben. Uh, I know Ian said we we've talked about uh, Mr. Nunn before when he went into the, yeah, the Steelers I, Hall of Honor. Go ahead. I just want to we talked about Mel Blunt, and and obviously that's one of the guys that that. Bill Nunn identified. And yeah, Ian's right. It was a lot harder to identify guys. Uh, Joe Green, no one knew who he was. Nope. Uh, was taken first overall. Great player. Things got around, I guess, a little bit about him before that draft. But the Pittsburgh media, when Joe Green was drafted, the next day it was like, who's Joe Green? What do you mm-hmm. guys mm-hmm. Can you imagine? They, uh. they could have taken Terry Hanratty, and instead they took Joe. Who's this Joe Green guy? <laughs> um. And they took Hanratty anyway later, but um, later, yeah. Uh, Bill Nunn just for years taught scouting to the younger scouts, and it wasn't just that his contributions were in in the players that he helped bring in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that he imparted that knowledge for years after that fact. You know, there's a story. I was trying to think of this earlier. There's a story about Nunn going down to Alabama A&M, and no one wanted to look at John Stallworth. Mm-hmm. They were just there was just not any interest. And he right. goes down there, and he takes a stopwatch with him and times him in the forty in shorts and tennis shoes. He didn't even have any any cleats that day, <laughs> <laughs> and timed him once or twice in the forty, and then goes, "Okay, great, good talking to you," you know. And apparently. Noel liked his film so much that he wanted to take him in the first round instead of Lynn Swan, but he got taken, he got talked out of it by Art Rooney and they took Lynn Swan in the first round instead. Right. And when Stallworth was still there in the fourth, you know, Noel was like, no, nah, he's just too good to pass up. We, we got to take him. So they nabbed him then. And, and obviously it paid dividends that, <laughs> to my, from my perspective, John Stallworth is still the greatest Steelers wide receiver ever. I know 
Antonio Brown is supremely talented, but oh, yeah. Stallworth, Stallworth was better. He just played in a different offense in a different era and and didn't have as many opportunities as somebody like an AB would have. Oh, totally different in game. An era right? now. Yeah. yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, amazing, amazing player. And and there were lots of others. There were guys that were that were mm-hmm. undrafted that he brought in. Um, Donnie Shell, yep. you know, uh, a late, was he a late round draft pick or was he was he undrafted? Uh, late round, I believe, South Carolina State. Yes, yeah. uh, he was he was identified by Bill Nunn and brought in. Yeah. And there, there were so many stories of guys like that that he brought in. And that was back when the round was, excuse me, the draft was like twenty rounds deep. Yeah, you know, long day. Dolly just days, sit there I and go, say. oh yeah, we'll just go through this. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Well, you know, you you mentioned wide receivers and, and we'll we'll segue into a little bit of what's going on now in training camp. And uh Chase Claypool continues to uh uh turn a lot of heads. He's he's playing real well. Um and and again, I want to preface as I and we always do uh at Steel City Blitz, we we don't want to get overly optimistic, overly excited because this is just one week and plus now of camp. But uh, everybody from Joe Hayden to a lot of other people have, have sung this young man's praises. And, um, you know, Ian, I, I thought it was a really interesting point that you brought up when you saw a, uh, a short video of him catching a pass just in a drill and he turned it up and, and went into the end zone, uh, whereas most other receivers just kind of toe tap, go out of bounds, run back to the line. Um, I, I mean, what, what does this do, Ian, for your optimism for, for Claypool? So I, I don't want to react too much to a 12 second video that was posted. Oh no, um, no, no, right, right, but, right. But you know, I, I don't want to overreact to it, but a couple things jumped to mind. Um, a lot of great NFL players have had that kind of work ethic where, you know, it's only practice, but they're going to take it to the house every time they touch the ball. Antonio Brown did it. Heinz Ward did it. Um, You know, guys who are known for their work ethic. I think Jerry Rice might have done it. Adrian Peterson used to do it, which annoyed Mm -hmm. the crap out of his teammates in Minnesota. Um, (laughs) Every time they handed off to him, even if he got, you know, tagged down about 20 times, he would run to the end zone. Um, So, but I think it it says more about his work ethic than it does Mm -hmm. about anything else that, he he wants to finish plays and you see that on his tape too i mean yeah. when we drafted him ben talked about how much of a bully he was on his tape that he just you know runs over guys um and, and the other thing too is that you know the i think the guys that caught passes before him were james washington and ryan switzer and they kind of you know toe tapped and ran out of bounds yeah. it was on an yeah. out route drill um and you know claypool caught it stopped and looked down make sure his feet were in bounds and then continue downfield the 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 other big point that it shows me is he's working on his sideline awareness because it's a big transition to go from college where you only have to have one foot inbounds to the nfl where you need two so that sideline awareness of knowing where not only where the sideline is but where both of your feet are not just where one of your feet is Mm -hmm. is a big thing and and you know ben mentioned john stallworth being the best receiver antonio brown might have been the best receiver I've ever seen in in any realm of football, not just with the Steelers, at getting both feet in bounds. Like was he was able yeah. to to toe tap the sideline, you know, better than anyone I think I've ever seen, and made a lot of catches that way. And you know, Brown was only five ten. Mm-hmm. When you have a guy like Claypool that's you know six foot 
four and a half, six foot five, that can, and, you know, has long arms that can extend the field by a couple yards into mm-hmm. kind of into the out of bounds range where mm-hmm. if his catch radius is there and he knows how to get his feet in bounds, that extends the target to places where defensive backs can't get the ball or only the receivers get the ball out there. Yeah. And, and Ben, I, I'm going to, I want you to give your just overall thoughts on what you're hearing uh, about Claypool, but I, I'm also going to kind of throw this in there too. Um, does his ascension, what does it mean for the other guys uh, on the team? I, I want you to kind of address that too. Well, it means less playing time for a guy like Ryan Switzer, which um, you know. I'm fine with. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that when I want to temper expectations a little bit yeah. with regard to Claypool, what they've been asking him to do in camp mainly plays to his strengths. He's a good 50-50 ball receiver because mm-hmm. he's physical with DBs. And that's how he's been winning in practice. He's tall. He's long. He's got a wide catch radius. Um, and he's physical. So he can push DBs out of the way with a little hip check or maybe a little elbow or something and right. grab that 50-50 ball. And he's going to be interesting and dangerous in the red zone. But he's not going to be the guy, at least this year, mm-hmm. he's not likely to be the guy that rips off that 80-yard catch for a touchdown. I mean, unless he's wide open and, you know, yeah. they I, forget I, to cover him. If they forget to cover him, that's a different thing altogether. But, I'm, I'm you know, it's like, yeah. uh, it's like Juju uh, when he was a rookie and he caught that 97-yarder against the lions yep, and ran down the field with two guys with him and got in the end zone. That was for a rookie. That was flat out. Amazing. Very football. impressive that he didn't get caught. And people don't pay that enough mind. And, and Juju's still just 23, man. And, and, yeah. you know, we're talking about the video thing earlier where right. he's doing the onesie thing. And yeah, that was just fucking stupid. Sorry. Juju. <laughs> We we love you, man, but that was just dumb. Yeah, at least um, he didn't have a Pizza Hut pizza in his hand. Exactly, but he's twenty three. I mean, he, yeah. he, kids kids do dumb things. I, I don't know how else to put it. Kids do some dumb things. Yeah, and it's not like he's out like you know, causing you know, getting in fights and getting drunk at bars and causing problems or, or doing anything like that. He's just doing silly things. So I mean, yeah, consider the alternatives here. Absolutely, and, you know, don't make a big deal out of this. No, he's a twenty-three-year-old kid. Yeah. I mean, let's keep it in perspective. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I think uh, in regards to to Claypool in the red zone, I, I think you'll see Juju, Deontay, James Washington, and then when it does get close to that red zone area, I think you're you're going to see more Chase Claypool this year. Um, I think and, when you and, when you, you have know. some wide some some four wide receiver sets, you're more likely to see Claypool in there than you are Switzer. Yeah, and that's just reality and i'm really curious as to whether or not they're going to stick him in the slot and tell him to run up the seam just run up the seam run up post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well you know again very very limited uh you know body of work here in a week and a half but um you know ben sure seems to like him the the reports from all the the beat writers are are good. Um, you hear a lot of teammates talking about, you know, how they're connecting and stuff. So, you know, it's one of those things, arrow up. We're not going to get overly excited about it, but hey, at the same time, it's fun to hear. One one last point on, yeah. on 
Bill Nunn. Uh, yeah. I, I think I want everybody to realize that once you're named a finalist by the senior committee, you're all but certain to go in. Pretty much. Um, Pretty it's much. not it's not a lock, but you're all but certain to go in. So I pretty much expect that, that his family is going to be yeah. going to the enshrinement. Somebody from his family is going to be going to the enshrinement and, and presenting him next year and accepting you know his, his bust. And that's, that's pretty damn cool. Is his son Bill still alive or did he pass? I don't know. He, he was an actor. He was in several big yeah. movies in the eighties yep. and nineties. I remember, and I and I thought I heard that he had passed, but I God, I hope he didn't because now I feel bad. Um, anyway, um, Ian, you've been cranking out stuff on uh, Whippeal High School football. Uh, go ahead and, and just give everybody a little taste of what you've you've got kicked out and what's coming, and and you know we we've really become the place for Whippeal, so I, I have no problem saying that. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and certainly. Um, so. Right now, we're working our way through conference previews. I know on the past couple of podcasts, I've been giving updates on, uh, you know, kind of where the status of sports are in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. The uh, the PIAA, the governing body in Pennsylvania, decided to basically allow fall sports to happen um, at the discretion Indeed. of individual school districts. So school districts have until September 1st to make that decision. Um, right so far, only two school districts in the Whippeal have canceled fall sports. Mm-hmm. Um one of them is Uniontown, who has the longest active losing streak in the Whippeal at 32 ah, games, and eesh. they only play like 10 games a year. So um, I actually feel kind of bad for the the senior class there because yeah. they haven't won in over three years, and that class is going to graduate without having won a game. So that sucks for them. Yeah. Um, and the other one is Summit Academy, which is a school for adjudicated youth. Um, they have complete roster turnover every year because they just get assigned kids by the court system. Um, right. So that wasn't a real big surprise. They canceled either. But everyone else is is playing as of now. Um, most other schools up in District 10, which is sort of northwestern Pennsylvania, up by Erie, are also playing. So it seems like other than the Philadelphia area, most schools around the state are going to play. Um, and we'll see how many games get in. Um, the the bigger news for Steelers fans as of right now is sort of mm-hmm. the ongoing discussions with the governor about fan attendance. And yeah. so fall sports for high school is allowed to happen with no fans in attendance, um, which sucks for parents. Um, but the, you know, they, uh, they, they aren't allowed to have fans at games as of right now. Um, and there's some ongoing discussions about what could or couldn't happen for, uh, you know, professional games. Right now, mm-hmm. the limit in the state of Pennsylvania is 250 people for outdoor gatherings. Um, the Allegheny County limit is 50. Um, but the governor kind of made reference today. Uh, he was asked about, you know, fan attendance at games and he gave a very wishy-washy answer of, well, maybe I'd be able to consider it. So I'll talk about it down the line. You know, well, we're like a couple weeks away from yeah. Yeah. having Steelers and Eagles games. And um, so we'll, we'll see, you know, what happens as far as a fan attendance at, at NFL games. And I think Kevin Colbert had a, a zoom call or yeah, I think it was Colbert had a zoom call today. Um, and, and kind of reference that, you know, they're still the Steelers still have no idea and haven't made any announcements on fan attendance at games because they haven't had a definitive answer from the governor yet right. on uh, what they can do as far as how many people are allowed to attend games. I saw some NFL teams have already released some numbers. Most of them are under 20,000 um, per, mm-hmm. per game, mm-hmm. but some are trying it with limited fan attendance. So we'll see, you know, how it goes. 
Uh, and the one final thing I'll say, shout out to our sponsor of our Whippio content, which is the Small Player Big Play app, um, which is uh, extra <laughs> important these days. Very no fan attendance because uh, basically how it works is you can download the app for free and schools can basically just set up a cell phone and broadcast their games and people can go on and pay a small fee and mm-hmm. a little over 80% of the, the, the fees paid essentially a ticket cost to watch a game or you can do like a monthly or yearly subscription. Mm-hmm. 80% of the cost goes back to the school. So the schools yeah. have a fundraising opportunity to, uh, to make some revenue back for their athletic programs and uh, also get their content out there for people to see who may want to, um, if they can't actually go to games and watch. Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a great thing. And you want to take advantage of it. If you've got, you know, friend, family, loved one, whatever that's playing and you're not going to be able to go. Um, And I, I I know Colbert, when he was asked about it, he, he kind of punted basically saying that's a question for, for Art Rooney too. And uh, I, I think that's that's kind of where it is in terms of, of that. But, of course, Ian, as you said, the governor's got something in there, too. Uh, ben, any final thoughts as we wrap up this edition of the show? No, I, uh, I hope to be doing more shows once the season starts. Other than that, no. I mean, yeah. I, uh, I think we're going to see some really sloppy football in September. <laughs> And that people should reserve judgment. I also Absolutely. think that if the Steelers, the Steelers come out and they light the world on fire in September, that the fans should reserve judgment. Either it's, way, it's basically it's going to be preseason. Whether or not they're three and zero, four and zero, or zero and four, it's basically going to be preseason. So, reserve judgment. I agree. We're not going to know who this team is until like late October. No, I, I totally agree. And uh, on that note, we will uh, wrap things up here on the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. Make sure you check out the site, steelcityblitz.com, and um, on Twitter at SC Blitz. Of course, the, the Whippeal stuff at Whippeal underscore Blitz as well. And I think that is just about it, guys. And hey, go Steelers! Go Steelers. Ravens suck.